Oh God, that's our prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Come minister to us through your word. Open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Speak, O Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, today we're continuing our Spirit-filled sermon series, and we're picking up right where we left off last week on hearing from the Holy Spirit. And if you were here with us last week or listened uh, on our podcast, uh, I gave you a sentence to unpack, and it was this. The Holy Spirit is our life guide, a.k.a. GPS, who speaks to us through the living word, the written word, the prophetic word, and the timely word. And we were only able to get to those first two, the living word and the written word. In other words, the Holy Spirit speaks to us by hearing from the risen Jesus and what Jesus is saying to the church and speaks it to the church. And so it's the Holy Spirit's job always to lead us to Jesus, to gaze upon Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead us and point us to Jesus Christ. And then we talked about uh, how God uh, speaks to us through the written word, the Bible, and how the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures and he uses the scriptures to guide us in all kinds of different ways and to train us for ministry. And that's where we stopped last week. Now the irony is, this is actually where I think most Christians stop too. We're very comfortable with a relationship with Jesus. We're very comfortable with hearing from the Bible and using the Bible for guidance in our lives. But it's the other ways that the Holy Spirit speaks that we're maybe less familiar or less comfortable with. And what I want to tell you this morning is, God does not want you to depend only on the Bible to hear his voice. He does not want you to depend only on the Bible. Don't get me wrong, you guys know me. I'm a Bible guy. I love the Bible. I'm a covenant pastor. Where is it written? The Bible is the word of God. It's the foundation for everything we believe and practice in all of our conduct. And the Holy Spirit uses it to guide us. But God has so many other means to communicate with us as well. You know, I once had a friend give me this illustration, uh, and it was about a, a bride on our wedding day. In fact, I was actually just at a wedding in Wisconsin over the weekend. Uh, I got back about 12.30 last night, so if I'm a little incoherent, blame my lack of sleep, all right? Uh, but, and actually, uh, my wedding anniversary is coming up, too. Uh, tomorrow, it'll be seven years uh, since Lo and I have been married. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, but I can still, I still remember our wedding day, obviously, not that long ago, but... I know many of you remember your wedding day, and it's, it's a glorious day. It's an exciting day because the, the, the bride is so excited to finally marry the man that she loves and, and turn the, the groom for his wife. And can you imagine a, a, a bride who is so excited to walk down, walk down the aisle and to meet her, her future husband? And uh, the husband at the altar turns to her and says, you know, I'm going on a journey, and uh, I'm not going to communicate with you at all. I'm not going to send you any text messages, I'm not going to email you, and I'm not going to call you, but I've, I've written you some letters that are really meaningful, and I want you to read this, and when you read it, then you will think of me. But I'm not going to contact you otherwise. Wouldn't that be devastating? Wouldn't that be just preposterous? That, oh, just, just read these letters, I'm not going to contact you ever again. You see, but that is how often we treat our relationship with the Lord. In the scriptures, we only depend on the Bible, but God has so many other ways that he wants to communicate with us as well. He has so many other ways that he wants to speak to you and guide you in your life. And so God is a God who longs to communicate with his people. As that Easter song that I talked about last week said, he walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. 
And so today I want to dive in to understand how God speaks by the Spirit in other ways. So what are, what are some of those ways? Well, let's, let's begin with number one. God speaks to us through the prophetic word. God speaks to us through the prophetic word. Now, in the Old Testament, God had set up all these different pathways for communication between him and his people. Notice that when God set up the Old Testament covenant, he gave the people the law, right? He gave Moses the Ten Commandments and all other kinds of laws. But he didn't say, okay, just go and read that and follow it, and you're not going to hear from me again. No, he didn't even do it then, either. He set up pathways of communication. He set up the priests. And if the people wanted to worship God, to confess their sins, to offer a vow or a sacrifice, the priest was the mediator between God and the people. And so when the people wanted to speak to God in a special way, they would go to the priest. Now, in the New Testament era, Jesus came, and he became our high priest. He became our mediator between us and God. And so in the New Testament era, we don't have priests like they did in the Old Testament, right? But God also, in the Old Testament, he established prophets. So this is the other side of the communication. If the people want to speak to God, they can go to the priest. But when God wants to speak to the people, he almost always uses the prophet. And we know many of their names, Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Daniel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Joel, Habakkuk, all of these great prophets that we have. Uh, and he, we know their names. But what about prophets in the New Testament era? What about prophecy today? And I would like to tell you this morning that instead of expecting no more prophets, or instead of expecting less prophets, we actually should be expecting more. We actually should be expecting more prophecy in the church today. Now let me explain what I mean by that. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, people weren't sure what was going on. They weren't sure what was happening. And so the Apostle Peter, the rock of the church, he rose up to proclaim what God was doing. And he quotes from another prophet, the prophet Joel, and he says this, Acts 2, 17 through 18. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, that your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. So Peter is saying that this prophecy from the prophet Joel is now being fulfilled in the church. That now the Holy Spirit is being poured out and God is raising up prophets. People who will hear from God and speak for him. And it's going, to be, it's going to be women and men. It's going to be young and old. It's going to be all kinds of people, everyday people in the church who God will use to speak through. It's being poured out. Now, prophet, uh, it's not a word that we use too much in the church. We're more comfortable with like, the term pastor or evangelist maybe. Uh, but we need, to, we need to address this because the Holy Spirit was specifically poured out to raise up more prophets in the church so that we hear from God more often. So what does a prophet do? In simple terms, what the prophets did is they heard what God was saying to the people and they spoke it to them. They heard what God was saying and they spoke it out. They proclaimed it. Sometimes the prophets you know, were, are, are known for being able to uh, maybe predict something about the future. Uh, and certainly that's in there. But when you actually read uh, the prophets, there's, I mean, those are big books in your Bible. Like a big middle of your Bible is, is the prophets. And a lot of the stuff they had to say was addressing what was going on the context of which they were in, the situation they were facing. And so the prophet spoke all kinds of words, sometimes message of judgment and rebuke, 
sometimes messages of, of hope or encouragement or just whatever they were facing was guidance and direction. And so the, they were hearing from God and speaking it to the people. And so, in other words, prophecy is just it's a spiritual way of saying that God speaks through other people. It's a spiritual way of saying that God speaks through other people. And it's a, word we, it's a word we've neglected in the church for whatever reason. We're a little timid with this word or a little scared of it. Uh, but regardless of our feelings about it, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit is alive and active in the church still, amen? And this is what he was poured out to do. And so even though we may not use the word, what I've noticed is we've come up with other language to describe this phenomenon of what the Holy Spirit is doing. People say things like, well, God just, God just laid it on my heart to tell you this. Or I sense that God was calling me or leading me to do this. Or I just knew I had to call, call this person and tell them this. And so we've, we've come up with other language to describe what the Holy Spirit is doing because this is what the Spirit is doing. And so I believe that prophecy, it's happening all the time. We just aren't aware of it as we should be. And we don't name it like the scriptures do. So how does God speak through prophets today? In simple terms, he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He walks with me and he talks with me. And the Holy Spirit will reveal something or inspire someone to say something uh, that they might not otherwise have done. And honestly, when I was first uh, becoming familiar with this topic many years ago, I was, I was pretty skeptical at first. Does God really do that still today? Is that really a thing? Uh, but it took me hearing from God through multiple people and once I had experienced it enough over time, I began to realize that, yes, this is something the Holy Spirit definitely does do. One example I want to give to you is actually an occurrence that happened right here at Faith Covenant Church. Some of you, uh, most of you know my story, uh, that actually before I became the pastor, I was interning here. Uh, and I think it was towards the end of my first year of my internship, standing out in the foyer, and uh, Jim Steer approaches me. Now, most of you know Jim, Deer, Jim Steer. Some of you may not. It's a man who is a longtime faithful member of our church, uh, a man I highly respect, his relationship with the Lord. And uh, I see Jim, he kind of you know, pulls me over and wa wants to talk to me. And he pulls me to the side, and, and he kind of puts his hand on my shoulder and kind of you know, looks me in the eye, and he says, have you ever thought about becoming the pastor of this church? <laughs> I said, no, not really. <laughs> God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Oh, man. That, no, no, not really. And he says, well, I've just been, I've been watching you. I've been watching your ministry here. I've been watching the way you lead, the way that you interact. And, and I just see something in you. And I, I feel like you would be a really great uh, fit at our church. Would you just consider it? Would you just pray about it? And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll pray about it. <laughs> but then uh, as the months went by, I, I really hadn't considered it that, that strongly. Uh, but multiple people independently of one another kept saying the same thing that Jim was saying. He said, Nate, have you ever thought about applying to be the pastor of our church? Have you ever considered? And I was like, and I, again, no, no, no. But after about six or seven times, I finally realized maybe what was going on. I said, okay, God, I think I'm hearing your voice now, even though I'm a little thick-headed. But God was stirring up something in other people. And, he, and for whatever reason, they felt compelled enough to come to me and to say something. And I believe God was speaking prophetically to me through multiple people in this church to guide me to where he wanted me to go, to where I was being called, to where I was being led. And so we have to pay attention. How is God using the people in your life, the people in the church, to speak to you? Because God is often using other people to speak to you, and we just have to be paying attention. 
Now, of course, this can get messy very, very quickly. <laughs> and it's often why people neglect the Holy Spirit uh, and, and they avoid uh, prophecy and hearing from God. Because how do you deal with the Christian college guy who says, well, well, God told me that we're supposed to get married, so will you go on a date with me to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I've literally witnessed those kinds of things happening. It happens. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Because people will just abuse the God card all the time. Well, God told me this, and God said this, and we're like, we're pretty sure God didn't tell you that because <laughs> or whatever it was. So how do we deal with this? Well, I think the Bible gives us some guidance. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. So Paul says discernment is needed. If someone claims to be speaking for God, that word needs to be tested. It needs to be weighed. It needs to be discerned. So how do you test it? Well, here's some things that I, that I believe help us test prophecy. Number one, this is from the sermon last week, does it lead to or glorify Jesus Christ? Because that is the Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is always going to lead us to glorify Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus. Number two, does it agree with the Word of God? The Bible is the inspired Word of God by the Holy Spirit. God is not going to contradict what He's already taught us and, and led us to do. And so we need to use the Bible to check what someone says the Spirit is saying. Number three, this is something I also find really helpful, is does it agree with the great tradition? And what I mean by that, this is what Christians have generally believed for 2,000 years at all times and in all places. Because the Holy Spirit hasn't just been speaking to our generation, right? The Holy Spirit's been alive and active for 2,000 years, speaking to the church, guiding the church. And so there are, there are things that have been generally true of the church and of the tradition of the church for 2,000 years. And so we need to see how has God spoken to other people in the past and led them in the past, and that gives us some guidance for the future. And finally, number four, do other trusted Christians in my life and church leadership confirm it to be the leading of the Holy Spirit? Often we need to check with others, other brothers and sisters, and say, this is what I sense the Spirit is saying or the Spirit is leading. Does that make sense to you? Does, does that, do you confirm what I'm hearing or what, what's being said? It needs to be weighed by other people. And I believe if you, look at those, if you use those four questions, those are going to be pretty healthy guardrails that can keep us on the right path. But even with some guardrails in place, some of you might be still concerned about prophecy. And I would say, that's good. We need to be careful. We need to test what people say. But I would also ask you, are you just as concerned about obeying the word of God that we just read in 1 Thessalonians 5? If we put it back on the screen. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Are you just as concerned as obeying that command of scripture? Because that is a command. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, what God might be saying through other people. That is a command. So are you just as concerned about obeying that command as you are about prophecy? Because this is a command from the Word of God. So Paul says, test all things. Yes, test all things, but hold on to what is good. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Certainly it's abuse. Certainly it's misuse sometimes. But God still is speaking to the church through other people. He is speaking prophetically to us through others. And so we test it, but we hold on to what is good. We can't stifle the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can't despise prophecy. I think it's so ironic. We can be so confident that Satan can deceive us, but we can be so unconfident that God can speak to us. Isn't that a shame? We can be so unconfident 
that God wants to speak to us by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who is living and active in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we can't be very confident that he can speak a word to us. The Holy Spirit is still speaking today. Building up the body of Christ. So this morning I had to spend a little time, a little time on this. A little time on prophecy because it's, it's neglected in the church. It's misunderstood. So I wanted to clarify as much as I could. Uh, but I want to spend a, some time on a few other ways the Lord also speaks to us by the Spirit. And this is a category I'm calling the timely word. The timely word. God speaks to us through a timely word. Now I call this the timely word because the Holy Spirit seems to speak to us, as Angela said, at just the right time. At just when we need it. And so he uses various means to do this. And so one way I've seen this is, A, God speaks through our experiences. God speaks through our experiences. There's the famous story of there's, there's a man who is about to be trapped in a flood. And he has to go onto his roof to, to avoid the flood because the water is rising. And he's praying, oh God, would you save me from this flood? Would you deliver me, Lord? And after he finishes praying, a rescue boat comes by. And they say, hey, guy, come on, come on in. And he says, no, 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 I'm fine. The Lord is going to deliver me. So the rescue boat passes on by. So he goes to pray, God, would you please just save me from this flood? Would you deliver me, Lord? So he gets done praying, and a helicopter comes by. And they say, get out in the helicopter. Come on in. Get out of this flood. And he says, no, no, no. I am fine. God is going to save me. So what happens as the flood comes, the man drowns, and he dies. And so the next day, he's in heaven. And he says, God, where were you? I was praying that you would save me from this flood. Don't you save your people? Your word says you deliver your people. And God says, well, I sent you a rescue boat and a helicopter. Why don't you get in? <laughs> you see, the man was trapped in the flood because he couldn't see that God was using his experiences to speak to him. That God was using what was going on right in front of his nose, the experiences of everyday life, to, to speak to him and to show him and to reach out to him. And so I believe if you have the eyes to see it, God is using your experiences too to reach out to you, to speak to you, to maybe say a word to you. And he can use everything that happens in your life as a way to communicate with you. Uh, this includes often our, our emotions, our feelings. It can include dreams and visions. It can include our pleasures and our pain and all the ups and downs of life. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Lewis says, God uses all the spectrum of feelings and emotions of life to speak to us. God will use open doors of opportunity that you didn't think would come, and he often will use doors that close in front of you that you thought were a total setback. If you know the story, Joseph might have been tempted to think that getting thrown in prison could have been the worst thing that could have happened to him. But God was strategically positioning Joseph to become a leader in, uh, in Egypt, to deliver and save the family of Israel. And so you have to ask yourself, where has God placed me? Where am, where am I in life? What is God trying to do through the opportunities that he has given me right in front of me? You don't have to travel around the world to find the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have to look right in front of you. Because God is using your experiences to speak to you. And God will use even all the common things of this world. On several occasions, God has actually used uh, movies to speak to me. Uh, God can use all kinds of art, you know, music, drama, 
uh, all kinds, all kinds of things to speak to us. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget. It was my, my. I was going into my second year of college, and at that time, I was, I was filled with some guilt because I had made some mistakes. And I was studying youth ministry, and I was wondering, God, do you, do you even still want to use me? Do you still even want, am I still good enough? Do you still want me to go into ministry? Should I go into something else? And it was weighing upon my soul so heavy. And I was praying for God to speak to me about this, to guide me. What should I do? So at the last minute, some friends of mine uh, invited me to go to the dollar movie theater. It's what college kids do when you have no money. You go to the dollar theater. So we go to the dollar theater and uh, to see Night at the Museum 2. Uh, some of you didn't know they made a sequel to that movie. <laughs> But uh, it's, it's a movie, it's about, it's, the movie's about uh, how these uh, statues and things in the museum come to life, and Ben Stiller's the main actor in it. And so we were seeing number two, and uh, one of the characters in the movie is uh, General Custer, who, if you don't know, he's famous for losing the battle of the Little Bighorn against Native Americans. And, uh, and so at the end of the movie, there's, there's this battle going on, and Custer is supposed to help Ben Stiller out, and the, the battle's going on, and Custer's kind of like hiding behind like a box. He's, he's, he's not joining into the fight, and Ben Stiller goes up to him and he says, what are you doing? You're a general. You're supposed to be, like, helping us in this thing, and he's just like, and the last thing that Custer could remember was losing the battle of Little Bighorn. He says, no, 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 I, I blew it. I've messed up too much. I, 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 I really shouldn't be helping you guys. I, I, just, I just need to stay in the corner. And Ben Stiller starts speaking encouragement to him. No, no, no. You are, you are gifted. You are exactly who, who we need in this fight. We need you to be in the battle. We don't need you to be hiding in the foreground. We need you still in this fight. And at that moment, it was like, boom. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Nate, this is the word for you. Don't worry about your past failure and mistake. I still want you in the game. You're still gifted. You're still called. God used night at the museum, too, to speak to me, people. If God can do that, he can speak through anything, all right? He spoke through Ben Stiller. It was awesome. So to pay attention to the common things of life and what, how, what God is saying. One more category I want, to, I want to talk about is God speaks to our hearts. He speaks to our hearts. I would say from my own experience, from many Christians I've talked to and from things that I've read, I think most Christians experience the voice of the Holy Spirit internally in their heart. Now there certainly are testimonies in Scripture and church history of, of God using you know, an audible voice. But it seems from all that I've seen and experienced and read that God speaks most frequently to our hearts. Now, the hard part is that you really, it's really hard to explain this. It's not like something I can just explain to you. But I think I can give you a few examples. I'll give you an example from Scripture and one from my own life. Uh, the book of Nehemiah begins with Nehemiah, distraught about Jerusalem. And he gets an update on what's going on. This is after the time of the exile, after the time of the return from exile, towards the end of the Old Testament. And Nehemiah gets an update and it says, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. It says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah, he was distraught at what was going on. He was distraught at the brokenness of the people, that the wall was down, that his people were vulnerable to attack. He was distraught at where the people of God were. And then it says this in Nehemiah 2.12. It says, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Another translation says, what God was prompting me to do for Jerusalem. What God was prompting me to do. You see, Nehemiah recognized that 
This wasn't just a personal feeling of his. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit was stirring something in his heart. That this was a burden he couldn't put down. This was, this was a vision. This was a dream that he just couldn't let go. That God was stirring something in him. And I believe God often works like this. He puts something on our heart. He stirs up something. He puts a burden upon us, a dream, a, a, a dream that we have for ministry, and we just can't shake it. It's just something that we have to do. We know that we know. God is putting this on my heart. And sometimes that these promptings are for bigger things, like Nehemiah. He, he longs to finish the wall of Jerusalem. For some of you, it could be a ministry that you've always dreamed of doing. For some of you, it's a people group or a population of people that just, you can't shake your concern and your love for them in your heart. You just can't shake it. It's just a burden God has put on you. And so we have to pay attention. What are those dreams? What are those desires? What are those passions that God is laying upon you and God is calling you to do as well? To advance his kingdom and to better our churches in the world. You know, one way I, one way I saw this recently of the, kind of this burden on someone's heart was, was actually our worship coordinator, Matthias. He had come to me several months ago, uh, seven or eight, maybe nine months ago even, and he says, I just got this idea. I just got this dream to preach a sermon on Samuel. I really, I really feel like our, our church could use this word uh, of service in his life, and I would love to preach it. I'm like, okay, that sounds really good. My sermon schedule is set for the next few months. but, <laughs> uh, but And then over time, he kept coming to me. I just got, I, I just got this, this sermon. Whenever you're ready, whenever you think it's a good time, I, I would love to preach this sermon. And ironically, it was kind of an Eli Samuel type thing where he kept coming to me, and <laughs> it's like the voice of the Spirit. Um, but finally, we were able to make a time for it, and I believe it was a word from the Lord to our church that he had to share with us and speak to us. And if you were there to hear it, it was, it was such a great message. But God had, he, Matthias, he couldn't let it go. It was, just, it was just something that God had given him, and he had to do it. And so that... God works through big things and small things like that. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's for really, really insignificant things. Um, sometimes it's just a, a nudge that you're supposed to talk to somebody. Sometimes it's just a feeling you're supposed to, to go somewhere. Uh, feelings like this can hap happen often. And I want to give you an example. I told you I was going to share a story from Kazakhstan. Now, when I was in Kazakhstan, we had a Bible study on a Tuesday night with some of the people. And uh, I was greeting everybody, then the Bible study had to start. And I noticed that there was a, a, a young lady who had come in who I didn't get the chance. She was the only person I didn't get to say hello to uh, before the Bible study uh, started. And I, I, the whole study, she was just, I just, she was on my mind. I was just, think, for some reason, my attention was, was drawn to this woman. And so I, I'm, for whatever reason, I just felt I need to introduce myself as soon as this Bible study is over. I can't miss the opportunity to make sure I go make, at least make an introduction. So, I, so after the study's over, I introduced myself. Her name is Kumbat. And I, I'm talking to her. I'm like, hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm Nate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you coming to the retreat that's this weekend? And she says, what retreat? And Marina was standing right there. And she says, well, actually, we have this retreat that's coming up. We'd love for you to join. Come to find out, Kumbat had been slowly attending more frequently over the last few months. And they had been noticing that she was becoming interested in Jesus, but she wasn't a follower of Jesus yet. And... Uh, and they, had a, they were nervous to ask her to come on the retreat because they weren't sure if that was the right step. But as, as soon as I uh, asked her about it, she was so excited to come. And I believe God was orchestrating a moment for me, an outsider, to invite her to come to this retreat. Maybe it's more safe for an outsider to do it than the insider. And she came on the retreat that weekend. And all weekend, she heard the gospel of Jesus preached. And I, and I don't know where she's at. I think she's still slowly coming to the Lord. But I believe that that small nudge I'm supposed to do that. 
I believe that was the Holy Spirit guiding me to do something that led to Jesus being glorified. Again, the leading of the Spirit. So to recap, the Holy Spirit is our life guide who speaks to us through the living word, the written word, the prophetic word, and the time we live. The Holy Spirit, he wants to guide you in life. He wants to be your GPS. He wants to guide you where you need to go. That's why he was sent. He was sent to guide us. And the covenant church of which we are a part only has six affirmations. And did you know one of those six is that we affirm a conscious dependence upon the Holy Spirit? One out of six. That's pretty important. And so my encouragement to all of us is develop a more conscious awareness of God speaking to you in your life. Just become more aware. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to speak to you, to lead you, and see what God will do. So my question is, how will you develop a greater dependence on the Spirit? How will you listen to what the Spirit is saying to you through the living word, the written word, through the prophetic word, through other people, and through your experiences and to your heart? How will you be listening? And will you choose to obey whenever the Spirit leads? As we move to prayer this morning, let's spend some time listening to the